prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your watch care over us. Lord, even little details. We're so busy trying to serve you and trying to do what's right that we don't even take thought for, but we're glad you do. And we're glad you work in our midst. We're glad for your protection, your watch care over us, Lord, your your love, your strength, everything that we have. Lord, we just thank and praise you for taking care of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And uh, again, we're doing a loose series on Psalms, meaning that we're not doing them in order or any specific, but just doing some Psalms on Sunday nights. And so let's turn to Psalm 12. Uh, no, no study of the book of Psalms would be complete without spending some time in Psalm 12. Uh, eight short verses, but... What what an incredible message is in there, a message for today. This is a psalm of David. Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, every one with his neighbor. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things, who have said, With our tongue will we prevail, our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy. Now will I arise, saith the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times, thou shalt keep them. O Lord, thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Now, if you want a headline, uh, if you want a description of the day in which we live, right here it is, is it not? Uh, As we see vile men exalted in Things of uh, unspeakable deeds just a few years ago are now trumpeted all over the place. It just seems like wickedness is seeping out the cracks of our society. And, uh, you know, this is what this psalm says. This is what the Word of God says. And the psalmist cries out in verse 1, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth. The faithful fail from among the children of men. And of course, we have a movement going on in our day to eradicate God and all reminiscences of Him from society. And, you know, one of the things you need to understand, if you read this psalm, uh, this as poetry, uh, Hebrew poetry does not rhyme words. It either opposes or rhymes ideas. And the contrast in Psalm 12 is the words of men versus the words of the Lord. Um, I think it was my son Stephen was telling me that now uh, it has moved to a new level. Uh, Global warming is a fact. It just, uh, it is happening. Man-made global warming is a fact, and if you ignore the facts of man-made global warming, you are now a climate denier. And, uh, 
And, of course, they want to separate religion and politics, right? God and all of this. And so, uh, but they talk and they talk and they talk. Of course, any, any educated person who would say that God could have created this universe is ignorant and stupid and biased and religious bigot, right? Uh, I mean, that is the way it is, is promoted in, in our society as a whole. And, and I don't know about you, but I, I, I feel like David many times, they speak vanity every one with his neighbor with flattering lips and a double heart do they speak. I mean, if you really stop and think about this whole global climate change or uh, the whole process, what is it about? Does anybody know the number one polluter in the world today? Yeah, I see some people saying China. Uh, Do you think Al Gore is going to get on a jet and fly to Beijing and tell the Chinese communist government to stop polluting the atmosphere? No. He shows up at American factories who are already expending hundreds of millions of dollars to clean up uh, their exhaust and emissions and things like that and says, you're not doing enough. You've got to spend more. And he goes to the coal country and puts all the miners out, tries to put the miners out of business and all of this. Do you know China burns more coal than the rest of the world put together? And you know where all that pollution goes? Up in the clouds, and it comes over the sea, and it comes here. We are enduring, and yet, these people don't care about the real polluters. So, they have to have some ulterior motive. That's what this is talking about. They speak with a double heart. Our mayor, he is going to bring income... Income equality to everyone that lives in New York City. Do you know what that means? It means we're all going to be dirt poor before long. Um, I mean, that's the only way you can have income equality is you take everything from everybody and nobody has nothing. And now we're all equal. Um, you know, uh, I had a, uh, a teacher in high school and he put it this way. He said, the only problem with communism is you have to give everything to somebody, and once somebody has everything, they're never going to let it go. Uh, And if you ever lived in a communist country, you know exactly how true that statement is. You know something? We can get depressed. It just seems like the world is winning the battles. It seems like every bit of news that comes to us is bad and getting worse. Am I the only one that feels that way? I want you to know that David felt that way a thousand years before Jesus was born. Because anyone who looks at the society in which they live, this is what you're going to see. This is the heart of man from the Tower of Babel. From every time that man has tried to form a society, guess who gets in charge? Those that hate God, those who want to be God. And look at the next verse. Uh, Well, let's skip to verse 4. Who have said, with our tongue will we prevail. 
Our lips are our own. Who is Lord over us? If you want to know why evolution is so important, this is why. Because if creation is true, and it is, then there is a creator I, as a created being, am responsible to. That is the simplest of logic. A plus B. I never have gotten that. How about we do 2 plus 2 equals 4? I mean, A plus B equals C. Uh, uh, Yeah, uh, it's simple, but uh, I prefer the numbers. Uh, But here's what it is. With our tongue will we prevail. Do you know more people's faith has been overthrown by the textbook than with the sword? You know why we live in such a godless society today is because when I was a young person, they started teaching philosophy in all of the colleges and everyone had to take philosophy classes. And in those classes, they begin to undercut your belief in a personal, real God. And now we have a society that is run by the flower generation. The hippies actually grew up and became adults. And now they're running everything. And their children are running around today making their parents look tame and almost civilized compared to the things that are going on today. It says, with their lips. They've done all of this with their words. Their words are destroying everything that we know today. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. And we have men today who no character, no truth, no understanding. American history in few sentences, George Washington, I cannot tell a lie. Richard Nixon, I cannot tell the truth. Bill Clinton, I can't tell the difference. And Obama, I just plain don't care. It's the words. Words are important. When we assumed the mortgage, our insurance company uh, gave us a loan for $250,000. We had... Uh, just an agreement of about 40 pages with the synagogue that we would pay them three payments of, of uh, $200,000 each once a year for three years at 0% interest. It took about 40 pages to write all that in legal speak. Well, when we did the mortgage assumption where we borrowed 250000 against the building and paid off the synagogue... The initial contract was over 100 pages. It took three lawyers over two months just to put the papers together. And the insurance company finally called us and said, listen, the legal fees are so incredibly expensive. There's no way we can charge you for them. We're we're just going to have to absorb them into this thing. And I'm sitting there going, this is total insane. You could do it in a sentence. But why do we have to have all that? Because words mean 
nothing today. Except when you're talking about God's words. You see, that's a pretty dismal picture. That's the negative of Psalm 12. And yet, that's where we live, is it not? That is what our world is described as today. But let's pick up the positive sign. The Lord, verse 3, The Lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things. It says the Lord's going to put an end to this. You know what happens to the flattering lips? God puts them in a situation where their flattery doesn't get them out. You know what? You can't flatter your way out of the psych ward. 12% of our population is on some type of psychiatric meds. God is going to put an end. He stops the tongues. They that speak proud things. I mean, you you look at these people that have proclaimed that in my lifetime we will solve all the world's problems. Study the history of the United Nations. It is a sordid history written in blood and deceit and violence. And yet, arguably, the United Nations is the single best and greatest attempt of mankind to bring peace on a worldwide basis. You stop and think about it. If there's one thing you don't want in your country... It's United Nations peacekeepers. I mean, these people are not nice. They they do terrible, violent things, and yet God cuts off the proud things. Now, I want you to notice verse 5. It says that the Lord is going to do this for the oppression of the poor. Do you understand what the psalmist is saying here? He says sometimes God lets... Or allows the oppression of the poor. So that when he comes and he does things. God looks, appears, and people understand that God is evening the balances out. If you study the history of the American Revolution, it's an amazing thing. You go down to Trinity uh, Churchyard there in Lower Broadway. There's a pink limestone statue there. And it just has a simple engraving. This is to honor the lives of the men who were held in the prison hulks in New York Harbor during the Revolution. You study that story. It'll make you want to put on a blue coat and go fight the redcoats again. I mean, it, it is terrible. And yet, what happened? Thirteen colonies defeated the most powerful nation on the face of the earth at that time. You know what? That has not happened in history since. 
And if we study Antichrist and things, it's not going to happen again. Yet, God sometimes allows the poor. Look at this next phrase. For the sighing of the needy. And, and we have to be careful here, and I, I want you to understand that God does not wait for our prayers so that He can act, but sometimes God puts us in that position wanting us to sigh. Do you remember the, the, um, the prophet, I believe it's in Ezekiel, where he was sent out to mark those that sighed for the transgressions of the people in Israel, and God said, I'm going to protect those people, but the rest of them are getting wiped out. One of our sins today, one of our problems is, we, we are so confident or we, we are so unmoved by what's going on around us that we don't take time to sigh anymore. You need to bring that before the Lord. He wants us to. He's keeping records. And if you want God to show Himself, then you need to let God move you in the direction He wants you to be moved. We, we need to have sorrow for what's going on in our society today. Do you think that just standing in a pulpit and disclaiming the wrongs of society is going to change anything? No. But let me tell you, it's a responsibility that God has given us. And what that is supposed to do is to cause you to go home and in your prayer time bring those sighs of oppression and need to the God of heaven. And then he answers prayer and we are the ones that receive the blessing. Amen. And God is the one who receives the glory. The Lord is going to arise. He is going to set him in safety. That puffeth at him. I think of the promise to the churches in the book of Revelation. In the church of Philadelphia where Jesus says, Listen, I'm going to bring those that are of the synagogue of Satan and say they are not. And they're going to worship at your feet and admit that you had the truth and they didn't. I'm looking forward to that day. I don't know about you. I'm looking forward to when Joel Steen gets on his knees and said, I'm a liar. I did not preach the truth. Herbert W. Armstrong and the Jehovah's Witnesses and all of those guys line up. The Pope is going to be ahead of the line. A prophet of lies. God's going to humble them. Not trying to be mean or rude today, but look what it says here. The Lord is going to set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. Don't get worried when the world tries to bully you. But don't be afraid of going to God and explaining the oppression. Sigh for the loss of the godly and the sins of our country and our society. But I want you to understand something. Their safety. The words of the Lord. What are they? They're pure words. 
You know what that means? There's nothing wrong, nothing added in. How many of you like uh, would uh, like things that are all watered down and not the way they ought to be? Buy a bag of sugar, 10% sugar. Now, you, you want something that's pure, right? And it says here that the words of the Lord are pure. The word pure just means without any additions. And yet you pick up any book that talks about the history of your Bible that's been written in the last 50 years. And it is a confusing mess of just plain garbage. We, we just don't know where the Word of God is. And yet, a man named Dean Bergen in the 1880s said, if you should go on the face of this earth and remove every copy of the Bible in every language, that we had no, not one copy of the Bible uh, on this earth, he said, I can go to the shelves of the books of history and recreate your Bible word for word out of the quotations of the Bible in the books that have been written by men. That's a pretty interesting quote. And uh, Mr. Bergen uh, was a scholar in every sense of the word and making that statement would not have been excuse me, been beyond the realm of his scholarship. I mean, he, he, would, he could say those things and he studied and he understood that what he was saying, God's words are pure. There's nothing added. There's nothing lost. And there's a promise here. It says, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, Purified seven times. Now, what we have here is a beautiful example of poetry. How many times do you purify metal to make it pure? Once is good enough. But he says something a little different here. And we've been through this before. I hope you don't mind hearing it again. But he says, in a furnace of earth. Now, silver was normally purified... With an open fire. And you would get a layer of oxidation on the top where the oxygen in the atmosphere would interact with the silver and the impurities in the ores would float to the top. And you would scrape that off and throw it away. It was called silver dross. Uh, Solomon talked about it in the Proverbs. It was like a, a potsherd covered with silver dross. Well, that, that stuff is deadly poison. Uh, uh, it, it'll, uh, people would scrape themselves with a potsherd. If there was silver dross on it, you'd get blood poisoning and die. I mean, it was just not the thing to do. And yet, when you purify gold, you really didn't want to lose 2 or 3% of your uh, yield because gold is so much more valuable than silver. I mean, right now, what is gold? Probably about $1,100, $1,200 an ounce, something like that. Is it roughly in that neighborhood? 
even if you had ten pounds of gold, which would be a fortune, that'd be 130 ounces. So multiply 1,100 by 130. Uh, lots and lots of money. But still, would you want to throw away $2,500 to purify uh, $15,000 worth of gold? Uh, I'm not that rich. How about you? And, and so what you would do is you would purify gold in a furnace. You would have a, a rail set up where you could slide the cauldron into the furnace and the fire would heat not only the pot and melt the gold, but it would also consume all the oxygen in the atmosphere. And therefore, when you brought the gold out of the furnace, when it was purified, you did not lose an ounce. You did not lose a smidgen. What, what was gold that went into the furnace when you purified came out of the furnace? There was no such thing as gold dross. It's too expensive to lose. Well, God said, my words are like silver. Why did he choose silver instead of gold? Because silver in the Bible is always a picture of judgment. The, the uh, sockets on which the tabernacle rested in the wilderness were 75 pounds of pure silver with a notch cut in the center and the board set down in the notch. And that's what kept the tabernacle from blowing over, falling down in the wilderness. Silver is a picture of judgment in the Bible. You know, God's Word tells us what's right and what's wrong. Have you ever heard something that sounded so right? And yet there's just that little stick in there. You said, I know something's wrong. I just don't know what it is. Have you ever had that happen? Well, that's what God's Word will do. It will make sure that you understand what is true and what isn't true. And it's purified not once, seven times. And then we get to verse 7. It says, Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. Now, David wrote in the 900s B.C. Uh, Solomon lived about a thousand years. I mean, yeah, well, yeah, ten, sorry, 1100 B.C. Solomon lived about a thousand years before Christ. It was all right in that uh, time period there. When David was talking about the Scripture, they had Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. More than likely, the book of Job. They had some of the Psalms and Joshua, Judges, Ruth, and parts possibly of 1 Samuel, though most likely the Chronicles of the Kings were collated later in, uh, the, uh, in, in the time of David and all the way up until the time of Malachi when uh, because there are many references in the Chronicles and the Kings saying uh, Israel was taken out of the land unto this day. And uh, that would have been uh, a reference to a much later time in history. Even after the land they went into the captivity was our, our, our Old Testament completed. And so David said, listen, God is going to preserve his 
words. I want to challenge you. Just believe your Bible. That's where the safety is. This is the difference between right and wrong. We've had one of our own missionaries that we support turn his back upon the authority of the King James Bible. We, we no longer support that missionary. It recently bled over, and just so you know, we had a professor that was dismissed from the faculty of Heartland Baptist Bible College because of the same issue. It is everywhere today, my friend. And it is a scary world in which we live. You see, the godly man sees this. The faithful fail from among men. You know what that should be to you and I? That should be the bugle sounding charge. I'm going to be faithful by God's grace. Amen. I'm going to stay. I want to be that godly person that God wants me to be. How am I going to do that? I'm going to have to stay away from the words. Andrew and I were talking about this. We say, why are we losing these people? They, they know better. They really do. Where, where do they get this stuff? And we, we just in our own, we're not trying to answer all the questions, but you know what? There is a common thread. These people that are turning their back on the simple doctrines that we have believed and taught are reading these new books that are out there. They're reading the words of people who are writing not from a solid biblical perspective, but from the modern understanding of man. And they are moving our young people. We've got to be careful. Don't read books. Read the book. These words are pure. These words have been preserved. God will keep them. And you want to cut off the proud and and the, the, the Lord said He's going to stop the flattering lips and the proud things And the issue has and always will be authority. You look in your life, conflicts that you have had. In a marriage, conflict. What conflict have you had in your marriage? Authority. In a church, authority. At work, How many of you just love your boss at work? Now, Stephen and Deborah better raise their hands. Amen. (laughs) No, there's been some head button on occasion. That's one of the reasons I like my kids working for me. I can yell at them and not get in trouble. No. uh, I can always pull the daddy card, and that, that solves the problems. But listen. It's authority. Who shall be Lord over us? We can say and do what we want to do. No, you cannot. It doesn't work anywhere. 
You can't stand up in a theater or even in this church building and yell fire. You could go to jail for that. Because you would be putting people's lives in danger for no reason at all. And yet we have people doing this all the time. You know why? Because they don't trust what the Bible says. They'd rather trust what's up here. I've given this example before and I'll give it one more time. When I was working at Cleveland Baptist, I, I spent a year as a bus mechanic and one of my job was painting the buses. And uh, in order to paint the bus, you have to put paper over all the windows. And I just finished papering this whole bus. I mean, how many of you seen those school buses? Forty foot long. How many windows are in that bus? On both sides. And I ran the, t- and you had to put the tape on just the right way and all of that and, and hold the paper in place without letting the paint. Otherwise, when you were done, you had to get the razor blade and scrape the paint off of 40 some odd windows. No, thank you. I just finished papering the bus. Was just getting ready to mix the paint and my boss, uh, Bob Folger, Pastor Folger's dad comes running in and says, we got a broke down bus. you got to get this thing out of here so we can fix it. I said, I just finished paper in the bus. He said, now listen. And he re- climbed up on the hood and cut this little square this big in the windshield. He said, now you're going to back the bus out of the garage. And if you wreck the bus, you're fired. But when he said that, that was the nicest thing that was going to happen to me. That was after he finished doing things that aren't biblical, but he would have done them. And so I'm here with a 40-foot bus backing it up, looking out the windshield at Bob Folger going, "Ah, ah, Come on, move, move. And I'll tell you, that was one of the most terrifying experiences of my life. Now, with the mirrors... And the windshield open. Man, I back that bus out of there in 30 seconds. Pull it in. I mean, I could back a bus out with one inch clearance. That didn't bother me as long as I saw daylight. I know I wasn't scraping anything. But when you can't see, when you have to trust in someone else to tell you what you're doing, but could I challenge you to think about this? That is the number one symptom of psychiatric illness. Is that you cannot trust what other people say. You have to process everything yourself. See, we trust what other people say every day. Don't we? We trust other people's judgments all the time. I mean, I was standing in line and this guy walks up at the, at the men's meeting. And this guy walks up and I mean, he invades my personal space right up against me and starts touching me on the shoulder. And I'm sitting there going, uh, uh, you know, and he says, you got a bug on your shoulder. <laughs> you know what? I couldn't see it. 
I figured I'd better trust him to get the bug off before the bug got more than the the material on my shirt. Amen? We trust people all the time, but we won't trust God. Could we trust God? You see, that's the answer. That's how simple it is. You see, he said that he's going to keep them. There's enough evidence to anybody who wants to study the subject that God has kept them, word for word. But if you're going to read everybody else's words, it's going to move you. It's not a good thing. You've got to make a choice. That's what this psalm is about. Are you going to put yourself under the authority of his words? Or are you going to determine which of his words are his words or not? It's the only choices. I want to put myself under the authority of this book. By the way, I'll be as transparent as I can. I got enough problems just trying to be obedient to the things that I know the Bible says. I don't have time to be a judge of the Bible. And I'm not that smart. I don't want to ever be that smart. I just want to follow the Word of God. That's the answer. And you know what? Is that going to stop the man that puffs at you? No. But I'm not worried about the puffers because I'm protected by the words of the Savior. Sometimes God allows us to be oppressed. Take that oppression to the Lord and talk to Him about it. Allow your heart to be broken and sigh. Because God wants those prayers. He's going to do something about them. But God loves to answer prayers. And if you don't spend the time in praying, then sometimes God just doesn't do anything because He wants to answer those prayers. Does that make sense? I hope we understand this thing. We we serve a great God. He He has got everything put together, but He wants us to do our part, even if it's allowing your heart to be broken. Because His words are there. They're going to be preserved. They have been preserved. Don't allow the words of the proud confuse you as to the meaning of the words of the Lord. And all God's people said, Heavenly Father, we come before you this night and we thank you for your words. We thank you for your promises. Lord, we ask that you would allow us, that you would help us to see the sad state of our world in which we live. Our need and our poverty and Lord, the oppression of the proud. 
Let us be driven to our knees to pray and to bring these things before Your throne. Lord, that You may answer those prayers and deliver us. We ask, Lord, that You would keep us in Your words. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And before we finish that prayer, we'll just keep have a moment here. If you'd like to slip out, spend a moment at the altar. We won't worry about the piano. Just... Take a moment and then we'll get into our prayer time.